You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Haglund. All right, I wanna take advantage of time because I wanna dive in this morning. I have like a million passages of scripture. I couldn't put them all in. I'm gonna reference some of them. But I'm gonna ask you if you can to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter five. Now, I may not get to this passage, so just forewarned. I wanna do my best to get to this passage. We're gonna be in Matthew five. That'll be towards the end. But we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. In fact, the title of the message this morning is simply The Father Provides, The Father Provides. Every week what I've been doing is having you read along with me the Lord's Prayer. I've been doing it in King James because most people know the Lord's Prayer in the King James. Uh, But today I don't want you to read along with me. And what I'm gonna do is quickly summarize as I go and read these lines. So you can turn to Matthew 5. You can just put a finger there. I'm not gonna get there till the end of the message. And and I hope to get there. So, but Matthew 5, uh, actually I'm gonna go to Matthew 6 to the Lord's Prayer real quick. Um, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first week, this is the first thing that we looked at. How Jesus doesn't just wanna save us from our sins, Jesus actually wants to redeem our relationship with the Father. That we would understand that the Father is not just his Father, he's also our Father. It's incredible. And his name is hallowed. Hallowed simply means sanctified, which means set apart. And so God's name, which he takes his name very seriously, simply means this. God is set apart from all of the evil in your life. And his name is is hallowed, set apart. So our father, who's not just Jesus' father, but our father, whose name is set apart from all the evil and brokenness in the world, that God, the father, is different from that. We can worship him. And by the way, I mentioned this last week, but when you look at the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus modeled it for us, really there's two parts. There's praise and then there's asking or petition to stay in the P zone. Praise and petition. And you start with praise, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and then it ends with praise, but in the middle we're asking God for things. And so the next line is when we start asking God for stuff. Thy kingdom come, it's the first ask. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is asking God to come and move. Not our will be done on earth, but his will. And just real simply and lovingly, God does not revolve around us, we revolve around him. And understanding that really, really is important. But his kingdom come, his will that God wants to move, our father who's good has a will that he wants to impart and he wants to work and he wants to move and we can ask God for him to show up. And then the week that, uh, today, give us this day our daily bread, which we're gonna get to in a moment. That's the next ask. And then we're gonna go on to the other ones that we'll wrap up in the coming weeks. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, and here's the praise again, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. It's an awesome prayer. But today we're gonna focus on this, this phrase right here, which is simply this. Give us this day our daily bread. Now let me just say this. I mentioned this uh, last week. God wants us to ask He's not afraid of our asking. Give us this day our daily bread. Now here's a simple thought, but it's a very profound thought. And if you would actually believe this deep to the core of who you are, I promise you this will change your life. It'll change the way you make decisions. It will impact every single area. And I want you to know, and it's just right here, God wants to be your provider. The Father wants to be our provider. 
He cares deeply, deeply about this for us and in us. Now there's two ways that I wanna talk about God being our provider. The first is this, I want you to understand as you come to church this morning, every single one of us in this room and all the kids in their rooms and all of us online or podcast, whatever it means, we all have needs that are physical, real, in the natural needs. We need a place to sleep, we need clothes to wear, we need food to eat, preferably Boston cream donuts followed up by a Five Guys bacon cheeseburger with lettuce and ketchup, hallelujah, a blooming onion, glory to God, cast the calories out in Jesus' name. We need to eat, by the way. I, <laughs> anyway, you guys, the amount of food illustrations I do here is, is just ridiculous. It's incredible. Anyway, but he wants to be our provider. He cares about our needs. You care about your needs. And I'm here to tell you something. I want you to know it's not selfish to ask God to meet your physical and the natural needs. Now, I'm gonna geek out for a second and explain because this, I find this very interesting. So please don't tune out. If you're not a history person, just track with me because this is really, really cool in my opinion. First, you need to know this. In Jesus's culture, there were many different rabbis and rabbis all had disciples and disciples were, were typically people who had a higher education and who would commit themselves to following everything a rabbi would do. In, in Jesus' culture in that day, the most educated people of that day were the rabbis who went around doing teaching. And in Jesus' day, what, what would happen is you would take the young kids in the community, roughly four or five years of age, and you would gather them together for school and what you would begin doing at that age is learning to read, learning to write, but you would memorize the Old Testament. And roughly around ages 11 and 12, what would happen is they would bring you in for testing to see what is your knowledge like. And, and you would come and you would be tested, which is interesting. Why, by the way, at one point, Mary and Joseph, they lose Jesus. Where is he? He's in the temple. He's being questioned. And they were astonished at how much he knew. Now, around this time of 11 and 12, if you knew a lot because of your learning, what they would say is continue your studies because if you were growing up in this culture, one of the highest places that you could have of honor would be a rabbi, the most educated, the most prominent. It was a significant thing. And so around ages 11 or 12, if you did well, they would, they would say continue on in your studies so that you can become a rabbi. If you didn't do well, and, and by the way, that's probably the category that I would fall into. If you didn't do well, they would say, go home and ply your trade. Go home and be a carpenter. Go home and be a fisherman. Go home and be a blacksmith. Whatever the trade might be, they would say, go home and do that trade. And so a rabbi, by the time he was finished with his studies, would have been 30 years old. Jesus starts his earthly ministry when he's 30 years old. And then Jesus gets disciples. And many times they come to scripture and they say, Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? In, in, in Jewish tradition, the authority was given to you by two other people of standing in the community. They would lay your hands on you and say, well, I, being an upstanding member of the community, would give you the authority to do these things. Well, Jesus got baptized and it was John the Baptist who laid his hands on Jesus. And then at the baptism, and you read in Matthew that God descends on him. And so the father gives Jesus authority. So when they asked Jesus, who gave you authority? He says, the Father. And that made them really, really angry. Oh, by the way, if you're, I find this stuff fascinating because it really, really gives context. But the reason why I'm bringing all of this up to you now is that a lot of people had the Old Testament memorized. 
and that there were often times where Jesus found himself in debates with others or doing things and he wouldn't commit to the whole passage of scripture in the Old Testament. He could simply say a line and that line would imply the whole context of what was being spoken. And in the Lord's Prayer, this phrase that we just finished reading is one of those lines. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I confess to you, grammar is not a strong suit for me, partially because as I grew up in the mission field, my parents homeschooled me, and my mom would spend hours with me trying to do grammar, and we would come to the States, and we would travel, and she used the Abeka curriculum. If you ever had Abeka, I'm gonna pray for you. We would sit in the back of a car and for hours while we were driving in the States had to do diagrams with nouns, pronouns, and verbs, and adverbs, and it was the bane of my existence because I'm like this the whole time. And by the way, I'm older now. I'm like, poor mom. My poor mom who had to endure that. And so, but I blocked all that out. I could care less. And then growing up in South America where Spanish is even more complicated, I just kind of like, just tuned it out. But having said that, this phrase is redundant. Give us this day our daily bread. Again, Jesus is communicating a thought that has a broader context. And if you were in Jewish culture, if you would have heard him say this, this one line would have sparked something in you that you would have already known. Because again, a rabbi was someone who was educated, who was learned and communicated. So let me give you the thought from the Old Testament that this would have sparked. Actually, there's a couple. But the first one is this. Proverbs chapter 30 which by the way, separate side note, was not written by Solomon. Proverbs was written by Agur, who we have no idea who it was, and Agur in the Hebrew simply means collector. So Proverbs 30, this guy named Agur comes and he does these collections of sayings, and in Proverbs 30, I'm gonna start reading in verse eight. And he says these words, ready? Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I, may have, or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of the Lord. Hallowed be thy name. God takes his name seriously. And then Jesus goes and asks, give us this day our daily bread. And this is one of the passages that would have been referenced. Give me my portion for this day. Neither riches nor poverty. Give me what is allotted to me for the day. And the context is, God, you have given me exactly what I need for this very, very day. Now, let me say this. In Christianity, there's two extremes that I see, and I've grown up in the church. I've seen all kinds of crazy churches. I've been in all kinds of crazy churches. I've seen all kinds of crazy environments, and I see two extremes, ready, when it comes to God's being our provider. The first extreme is that it's all about money. Listen, if you sow a seed, God's gonna give you a brand new car and you're gonna fly away in your private jet. If you sow a seed, hallelujah, you better give that seed and you're gonna have money. It's the prosperity gospel and I do not believe it is from God even a little bit. God cannot serve, or we cannot serve both God and money. And you see an extreme that has an emphasis on money, but then the other extreme is an emphasis on poverty. And I'm here to tell you something. It, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is simply a tool, and for the gospel to function, it has to function in all kinds of environments and all kinds of contexts. And so, a Christian in Afghanistan should be able to, who, who probably is living a life of incredible poverty, should be able to know that God is a provider, as well as a Christian in Silicon Valley. By the way, you might have an easier time believing there's a Christian in Afghanistan than a Christian in Silicon Valley. But either way, 
There are Christians in Silicon Valley. And you have to know that there are Christians who are very, very wealthy. I, I met a Christian whose sole job, he made so much money, is traveling the world, giving his money away to different programs throughout the world that expand the gospel. It's awesome. Hey, I mean, I'm just here to say, listen, so he, you know what I believe? I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I also don't believe in the, pro- the poverty gospel. I believe in the provision gospel. Give us this day our daily bread, that God is a provider for the things that we need. By the way, Lamentations 3, a well-known pastor says this, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Let me put it to you another way, ready? The Lord's provision over your life is ready every morning. And so I believe in this provision gospel where Jesus talks about our daily bread, but there's another passage of scripture from the Old Testament that I wanna look into, and this is well-known to the, to the Jewish people as well. It's, it's the moment in which after that uh, Moses led the slaves out of Egypt and they find themselves wandering and in Exodus chapter 16, and these verses are gonna be on the screen, they're learning what it means to follow God and depend on him and they're in the wilderness and they have nothing to eat and so they cry out and they start complaining and they're saying, God, are you gonna provide for us? And so God says he's gonna provide and this is the story of manna. Now, I'm gonna start reading in verse 14. When the dew was gone, Thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? By the way, other Bible side note, if you grew up and you know about manna in the Old Testament, manna is what God used to feed the Israelites. We often think that manna means bread. Manna doesn't mean bread. Manna is Hebrew for what is it? That's literally the name of what's out there. They named it, what is it? Do you have enough what is it? Yeah, I have enough what is it. It's a lot of what is it. It's what is it. It's great. Sometimes provision comes in ways that you don't expect or see coming. And by the way, I think it's awesome how honest the Hebrews were. What the heck is this stuff? That's the name we're gonna use from now on, generation after generation. Anyway, separate. A lot of Bible side stuff for you. For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, roughly two quarts, for each person you have in your tent. Verse 17, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. By the way, if you have a big family, let's say that you're the Corson family and you have 35 children. Come on, hallelujah. You're gonna go out and collect multiple bushels of omers, like omers everywhere. Or if you're another family where it's just two people married, it's less. That's what it's basically saying. The size of your family determines the amount that you collect, right? Anyway, so uh, take an omer for each person. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. Uh, Anyone? 17, 18, all right, hallelujah. Thank you. Y'all like, don't, okay, 18. And when they measured it by Omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. And by the way, if you gathered more than you needed, it would rot. God is trying to teach the people that his provision is for every day. And what I'm trying to tell you is this, the same God of the Israelites is the God of us today. We are brought into his family and the father also cares about the provision over your life and the natural over the things that you need. And I have come to see this play out over and over and over again in my life. Here's the thing, daily bread. 
the natural provision that you and I need, and it's the thing that you and I care deeply about. How are we gonna make it? What are we gonna do? And I'm here to tell you something. The Father up above, he cares about meeting your needs. And again, I've seen this play out on multiple different occasions. I've seen this play out for our church. I'm gonna show you a picture. This is of the mission team that just went to Honduras and House of Hope. In the background, that's Robin back there. Now, this picture actually holds a lot of different ways in which God has provided for us here in the church. The first is this, we had a church join us in January, the Edge Church, and when they joined us, we sent Joe and Matt, and Matt was our student pastor here, but Matt wasn't just our student pastor. Matt also led our mission trips overseas, and so when God opened the door for this other church to join us, we sent the person who was leading our mission trips, and Matt's new job meant that he didn't have the margin to continue to lead trips overseas. But out of all the churches to join us in this upstate area, it was the Edge who joined us. And for the previous several years, the Edge Church has been doing mission trips to Central America with House of Hope. Out of all of the ministries that they would partner with, it was the same ministry that we love and believe deeply in here. So what happened? God sent Matt over to the Edge. The Edge joins us. And what happens? Robin, who's the pastor's wife of the Edge, says, I have a passion for missions. I want to continue to lead mission trips. So you know what God did? He provided someone to help lead our mission trips after Matt was no longer able to. And just a couple of weeks ago, Robin led a team of 10 ladies from two churches all the way down to Honduras to work with House of Hope incredible so God provided but God is so specific in his provision God often can provide before we even ask sometimes in fact Jesus says this don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink your heavenly father knows your needs a couple of years ago before the pandemic started as she was Robin was leading trips for the edge church you can leave that picture up as she was leading trips for the edge church uh she's an by the way Robin's an artist and you need to know this she's a phenomenal artist a gifted artist she went to Honduras a couple of years ago, and she did an art thing to teach the ladies. They're trying to give them tools so they can do something else besides being in brothels. And so she's teaching them art and, and, and making them come alive. Well, at the end of the trip a couple of years ago, she was packing up her paint supplies that were her own personal paint supplies, and someone from House of Hope said, oh, those would be nice. House of Hope could really use those. And Robin, I got permission to tell this story, did not want to give them. They were her own. And so she was like, oh, okay, fine. And she said, begrudgingly, she took her own personal paint supplies and said, fine, you have these. Okay, whatever, that's fine, you have them. Fast forward, pandemic happens, the edge joins us. She finds herself serving with Renovation Church. She finds herself down in Honduras two weeks ago and she's teaching another art class. Well, they're staying at the mission house where they keep all of their supplies and they took the bus down to where House of Hope stuff is. And when they went down there, she realized that she left all of her art supplies where they were staying and she didn't have any of her art supplies to be with her as she taught the ladies and she had no way of going back to retrieve her art supplies. And she began to panic a little bit, why? Because she's like, I have a bunch of ladies coming who I need to teach art to, but I have no supplies to be able to do it with. And she's not sure what she's gonna do when all of a sudden one of the workers at House of Hope said, wait a second, I believe we have a stash of paint supplies. She said, really? She goes, and it was the very same paint supplies that she gave those several years earlier. She pulled out in the colors that she needed, and this picture right here is a reminder to her. Listen, wait a second. When you don't know that you're gonna need something in the future, guess what? Your Father who is in heaven is able to give you your daily bread. My point to you is simply this. We live as though we are our daily bread. 
And it's our heavenly father who was our portion. He's the God who is the provider God. He cares deeply about this. I am telling you, I, my family, I have lived in incredible poverty where we have seen God provide. I've also had moments in my life where God has blessed my wife and I and our family and God has still provided because God cares about the provisions that we need. And it is not selfish to ask over our provisions and you're saying, well, Jeremy, that story of her, that's a good overseas story. What about here? Oh, okay. I've had a dream. We live in Fountain Inn. We have a backyard that when we bought the house is this beautiful space, but the ground in our backyard has been unlevel and I can't get grass to grow in certain areas because there's a lot of trees. By the way, I've never had a house in trees in my life. I had no idea how many branches fall off trees. I did not know. And the amount of leaves I get every year, it's, I, I actually gave up this last year. I just let them collect because I went and, ra- anyway, that's a whole separate thing. I just straight gave up last year. But I wanted, it was one of my heart's desires, I wanted to be able to actually level out and put some sod down in our backyard. And so the Lord opened the door for this. And actually, right now, my backyard is a hot mess. Because we're leveling out our backyard, we're doing some different things back there. And, and it's just amazing how the Lord has opened this up. The contractor, who also happens to be going to our church, happened to be out there, and he's almost never out there because he has a lot of different things that he's doing, but he happened to be out at our house specifically to look at how much dirt we needed in our backyard to be able to level it out. I know this to sound weird. He's out there looking for dirt. When he gets a phone call while he's standing in our backyard by another company in the area who is actually leveling out places to be able to build houses, and they had a lot of leftover dirt. And while he's standing in my backyard looking at how much dirt we needed, another company's needing to get rid of dirt, and they asked him, can we store your dirt at your property? Not our house, but he has a property where he has stuff. He said, well, wait a second. If you have dirt and you don't need it, I have a place that needs dirt. Do you mind giving it to us? They said, absolutely. He said, we'll pay for it. They said, no, 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 no. How, where are you fountain in? Oh, we'll pay to bring it. We'll just drop it off. So at our house in Fountain Inn, we've gotten 15 truckloads of free dirt to level out our backyard. And you're saying, listen, now listen to me. It's not about money. And we sat our kids down and we, I talked to them and I said, I want you to know what God did. You know what it is? When I stand in my backyard, you know what I'm gonna say? God provided for this. And here's my question. If his name is hallowed, do you know his name? Because his name is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. It's set apart from all evil in the world. And I'm telling you over and over again in my life, I've seen God provide in many ways when we have had nothing. And my wife and I have had moments where we've had nothing. When I grew up, my parents, we had nothing. I saw God provide. And I'm telling you, even so it's not about money. Do you know what it is? It's about relationship, the God who provides. And I'm gonna tell you something, as Christians in the world we live in today, if you're gonna make it, you need to know the God who provides. And he absolutely, absolutely cares about your needs. He cares about them. All right, the natural. I'm gonna tell you something, ready? The God who provides, listen, he is so much more than money. So in the natural, God wants to provide. Let me give you another way God wants to provide. Ready? In the spiritual. I've said this many times, but... One word from God can change a life. One word from God over your marriage, one word from God over your kids, one word from God over your home or your, over your, whatever it is. One word from God will absolutely change your life. Remember the manna? The what is it? I want you to look at this passage in John, ready? I love how all these things, all these things tie together. This is Jesus talking and he says this. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? 
What will you do? By the way, they're always looking for a sign. Corinthians says we either look for sign or we want to operate in wisdom. Anyway, so they're asking Jesus for a sign to prove that he is who he says he is. Our ancestors ate the what is it in the wilderness. That's what it says. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. By the way, as a side note, and I forgot to mention this, God, that, that what is it, that manna was actually seed, it was like flakes, and you, they had to, by the way, they had to go collect it, and they had to go turn it into bread and bake it. And I want you to know, God provides, but guess what? He provides with us doing some work ourselves. Some of you want God to provide, but you're lazy as all heck. God, bring it to me. I'm gonna wait, glory, hallelujah. I don't wanna do anything, because God, I believe that you're the provider. No, you're lazy. That's what you are. I want you to see the Old Testament he provided. They had to go out, they had to collect it, and then they had to put it in and they had to make it. Sometimes God provides, he says, I provided you a job, actually show up on time and be a good worker. And actually, by the way, give my name a good name by being a good worker out there. I'm preaching right now, stop being lazy. I hit a nerve with (laughs) y'all, hallelujah. That was a, all right, so. But listen to this. He doesn't just provide in the natural. Look at this, verse 32. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my father. By the way, Jesus has come not just to save us from our sins, but to bring us back to his father. It is not Moses. It is my father who gave you, listen, and this, it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then Jesus says this, ready? I am the bread of life. So in the natural, he cares about our bread that we eat. In the spiritual, it's even better than that. Now, here's the thing, I'm telling you that God's presence doesn't even compare with natural provision because God changes everything. It's incredible what God does. When we had our first worship night at, uh, at Greenville campus, this is in, I don't remember, February, I think. I feel like the last year has been like eight years combined. I don't know, anyway, February. And I'm getting ready to get up and speak and the, the place is packed and we're gonna serve communion. I'm gonna lead our church and I'm excited to see what God is doing. There was someone in our church that was going through a really difficult moment, a very painful and challenging moment. And, and I knew that they were going through this. And while we're worshiping, God gave me a word for that person. And it was a simple, it was a beautiful word. God gave me a word for that person while we're worshiping. And I get up and I, I, I preach and I lead. But that night I go over to that family's house and I go to that person and I say, I know you've been wrestling with these different things, but God gave me a word. And, and, and it was just a simple word. And as I gave and delivered that word over them, I'm telling you something, God spoke something that wasn't a natural thing, but it was a God thing over who this person was. And I'm telling you, as I said those words, it was like God's spirit touched their spirit and something changed. Years of thinking one way went out the door and God brought in a new thought and set that person free. Why? Because one word from God can change absolutely everything. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us in the natural, but also, God, give us a word of what we need. Remember, Jesus says, the bread my father gives brings life to everyone. And so it's this incredible relationship. So, so what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you and I? Well, let me give you a couple thoughts and I'm gonna go through these very quickly because I'm out of time, ready? I want you to see that number one, we need to ask daily, give us this day our daily bread. And then Jesus says, you don't have, you know why? Because you don't ask. 
Sometimes we think we don't have. Because let, Actually, let me give you two thoughts real quick. Ready? We think these two thoughts are in the Bible. I'm just gonna give you two thoughts. Ready? The first is this. We think that it says in the Bible that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. It doesn't say that in the Bible. The broken world you and I live in will often give you way more than you can handle. But we ask God for our daily bread. Why? Because even when life gives us more than we can handle, we can call on the Father who is Jehovah Jireh, who is our provider, who can carry us through with exactly what we need portioned out for our day. So yes, sometimes we get a lot more than we can handle. The good news for Christian is this, ready? You don't have to handle it by yourself. The other thought is this. We think God's word says that God wants you to be happy. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. That's like America, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so we take that and we think, glory to God, God wants me to be happy. Again, God doesn't revolve around you, you revolve around God. By the way, true happiness is in God's presence. In an understanding of who he is, real simply, God wants you to be whole. My kids, many times the things that would make them happy are the very things that sometimes would not make them well. God wants you to be whole. And I'm here to tell you something, he cares about your wholeness. But here's the thing, sometimes we don't have, why? Because we don't ask. So we need to ask every day. Here's two thoughts, ready? It's not about provision, it's about relationship. It's about relationship over and over again. What God was teaching the Israelites in the desert was you can count on me, you can count on me, I will come through. And what he wants to teach us is we can count on him. God, give us our daily bread. It's about the relationship that we have with God. And let me give you another thought, ready? What we ask for is often a reflection of what we believe about God. Sometimes we think that God is distant and so therefore we don't ask. I'm here to tell you something. If you believe that God is distant, you will, you will be your own bread. You will be your own strength. But if God is not distant, if he is close, then you'll walk with him. So we need to ask daily. Here's number two, this is the second main thought, ready? We need to develop a spiritual hunger. And here's what spiritual hunger means. Spiritual hunger means that we long for, the word, for, for a word from God. It's not just in the natural where the God will provide, it's in the spiritual. Remember I told you to turn to Matthew three? Real quickly, Matthew, uh, Matthew five, excuse me, starting in verse three. This is before Jesus gets to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew five. These are known as the Beatitudes and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus is teaching us and he says this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. And I'm only gonna read the, the, the blessed part. Verse four, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Or excuse me, God blesses those who are humble. And then it says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. Another way to translate that phrase is God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what some translations are gonna read. God blesses those who are merciful. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. God blesses those who work for peace. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. These are called the beatitude, what, the things that God blesses. And here's what I want you to see, ready? It starts with God blesses those who are poor in spirit. Now, this doesn't mean poor in money, it means poor in spirit. Why does God bless those who are poor in spirit? Because only those who are poor in spirit realize their need and dependence on God. Prideful people realize their dependence on themselves. Poor in spirit means they, and so because you're humble, you say, God, I need you. And then it says, God blesses those who mourn. As you realize that you can't make it without God, do you know what happens? You begin to say, man, God, I could never have made it without you. What happens is this, you begin to mourn. God, I could never have made it. And then it says, God blesses those who humble. Why are you humble? Because you're poor in spirit and you mourn, and now you're realizing that you would never make it without God. And then it says this, God blesses those who hunger. 
Well, do you know what happens? As you spend time with God, you wanna actually spend more time with God. So as you realize, as you're poor in spirit and as you, you're humble before God, you're like, wait, you're like, wait a second, God, you really are good. So what happens? You begin to hunger for more of God. And then what happens is this, God blesses those who are merciful. Do you know what happens? You become more like God the more time you spend with him. God is merciful and you become merciful. God blesses the pure in heart. Why are you pure in heart? Because God is pure of heart. I'm just, it's this process of getting to know and walk with God. It's absolutely incredible. Before I was working in ministry full time, I was at a church where I was working other jobs so I could be a volunteer staff. We have volunteer staff at this church. People who, who work basically and say, I'm gonna give my time, and, and it's amazing. But I did this for two years, and I worked at a shoe store called The Athlete's Foot, uh, which is a horrible name for a shoe store, by the way. It's an awful, awful name. But one of my, I was a manager, and I had one of the ladies who I worked with, uh, she, she found out I also worked in a church, and so she started telling me, she hated God. She started telling me all of her problems all the time about God, all these different things, and and so eventually, her and I actually became pretty good friends and we would talk about God whenever customers were not in the, in the place. I found out about all kinds of abuse that she experienced. She actually, I called an ambulance on her one time because she had been cutting herself. She would cut her stomach because she didn't want people to see and she told me that and she came into work one day and she confessed that she had taken like 48 pills of something and so I called an ambulance on her and she was angry with me. Anyway, but I wanted to make sure she was okay. Well. In a short period of time of six months, she lost her, her basically boyfriend of six years. He died in a car accident. They had a kid before he died who was a baby. And not but six months after her boyfriend died, the baby died of SIDS. So in a period of six months, so she comes to me and she requests time off. I said, absolutely. Before she leaves, I give her a Bible. And you have to understand how angry, but she, she just, anyway. I gave her a Bible, and it was a message version of, of the New Testament. And so she goes away. A week later, she comes back, and she's smiling from ear to ear, and she's just so happy. She comes and gives me a hug. And I said, what the heck happened to you? And she goes, I went to Florida because I went there to take my life. I couldn't take the pain anymore. And she said, I cried out to God in the hotel room. God, if you're real, I want you to speak to me. And she said, she opened up the Bible that I'd given her. She found it in the bag. She opened it up, and she opened it up to Matthew chapter five and verse three. And in the message version of the Bible, it says this, God blesses those who are at the end of their rope. And she said, God's, God showed up in my hotel room. And she goes, in that moment on my knees, I gave my heart to him. And I'm here to tell you that he changed me. She started coming to our church and I got the privilege of baptizing her. And her life changed. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is set apart from all the evil, wickedness, and brokenness in the world. There, listen, God doesn't cause pain. We live in a world that is caused by sin because we've gone our own way. But there is a father whose name is hallowed who wants to be our provider over every need that we have. He cares that when the sun comes up and when it goes down, his mercies are new every morning. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who hunger. I'm here to tell you something. One word from God will change your life and the provider who is the same God as the Israelites wants to be your God too. Give us this day our daily bread. Your daily bread he has in his hands. Ask him for it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, there is no one like you. I pray, Lord, that for all of us today as we go through this series on prayer, and we learn more about who you are and about your word, that we would be people who stop for long enough. We wouldn't be so busy getting from one thing to the next that we would 
miss our daily bread from you? How many times have we missed our daily bread, God, because we've been busy? Uh, Lord, I speak against that right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that all of us would be able to pause and be still enough to know that, God, you are our provider and you care about meeting our needs and about who we are. That you are our daily bread and that we can trust in the provision that you want to bring into our life. So God, we thank you that you care enough about us and that you love us. I thank you, God, that you provide and that we can know you as the provider. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you in your precious holy name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.